to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today, I'm trying a different format. I'll be recording a series with Barb Turley. She has previously been on the show. And I've previously been on her podcast as well. And today we're recording episode one in a series where we're going to be chatting about challenges that we're facing in our own businesses and topics that we're interested in and things that we're learning related to me running Beanages and Barb running the virtual hub. Hi, Barb. It's great to be chatting with you again today. Hi, Meryl. I know we've had some, we've been having some great conversations about business recently and the things we're doing. So it's been very valuable for me. Yeah, it's funny. You came onto the Bean Ninjas podcast and I've done two episodes with you now on your podcast. And I think we realized as we were chatting that even doing three episodes together, we still have so much more to talk about. And something that I've wanted to do is more of a series where I'm talking with another business owner who's facing similar challenges to what I am at Bean Ninjas and to dig into different topics. It's actually something I've wanted to do since we started the Bean Ninjas podcast, but I hadn't really found the right person. So yeah, I'm excited to do a series with you. When I finished, you know, doing some podcasts with you, I realized they were the same sort of thing. I had about a hundred million questions that I wanted to ask you because we have similar business models in completely different areas. I was like, I wonder what Meryl's doing with this or that, or what she would think about this idea. And when you came to me with this with this podcast series idea, I thought, bingo, let's share it with everyone because I'm sure other people have these questions too. So for anyone that hasn't listened to the last interview with you, do you want to just give a couple of minute overview of your business and then I'll do the same in case anyone from your audience isn't familiar with Bean Ninjas? Yeah, sure. So to hear, and you know, I'm sure there might be some listeners on on our virtual success podcast that, you know, could do with hearing a bit more about my business as well. So the Virtual Hub has been running for just coming up to five years now, and we are a company that recruits, trains, and manages virtual assistants, mainly from the Philippines for businesses all over the world, and mainly in the digital marketing entrepreneur space is kind of where we play. Digital marketing implementation is what we do for businesses all over the world. And roughly how many staff do you have? We're coming up to 150 employees now, and we have full offices in Cebu in the Philippines. So we are an office-based, uh, very highly structured and organized kind of culture. But yeah, we, we run 24 hours as well. So that's another key sort of thing that we do. So how about you? We're a, a bookkeeping and financial reporting business. So we do done-for-you bookkeeping and reports, as well as cash flow forecasts and dashboards. And we try to tell the story behind the numbers. That's the core business. And I've recently, so this year, 2019, been working on a financial literacy training product. And the beta version of that ran in March this year. And we're just about to launch the second round of that in August. So that's taking a lot of my attention, but our core business is bookkeeping and financial reporting using zero. And I think one of the key things I definitely like all the listeners, I guess, to understand your listeners probably know this, but you are a virtual company, which is a key thing. And you are, have a global footprint virtually. So do you want to just give us a bit more 
depth on that and that your business is quite different in that way from just the run-of-the-mill bookkeeping business? That comes back to our origin story, actually. When we started Beanages, I was looking at what kind of business I wanted to run and I wanted something that I could run from anywhere in the world and that it had global potential and the ability to scale. So that's why we decided on bookkeeping and Zero as the platform that we were going to specialize in. And the business started in Australia, so our head office is on the Gold Coast, but we also, well now actually our largest market is the US and we also have a presence in the UK and Hong Kong. And our intention is that we will continue to grow the international markets, not just focus on Australia. You know, it's funny when you say that because although we have different, very different, I mean, obviously very different businesses, but my goals when I started this business were exactly the same as yours. I mean, I'm living in Australia. I'm from Ireland. My husband is Hungarian. So I always wanted a kind of an opportunity potentially to move if I wanted to and work from anywhere. So I had the same goals about the business I wanted to create. It had to be virtual, had to be global, had to be, you know, I could work from anywhere to do it. So I think that that's probably why why we have such aligned business models and the way that we do things are very similar. And something that you've been working on recently is doing a sprint series. And that's never, I've never done that in Bean Ninjas. And I'm really intrigued to hear about it and also maybe to, to test it for myself. So could you talk a little bit about what is a sprint and then how did it go for you? Absolutely. So the hilarious thing about this, and I, I think the biggest message I would give anyone listening to this who's keen, including you, is, you know, I know a little bit about sprints and the whole agile concept, but I am not you know, in any way, an expert or even moderate expert in any of this. I've never done a sprint. I just know a bit about that concept, about the idea of getting a lot of people together and crunching time down into a defined time frame, and then having fast kind of daily meetings that go through where are we at every day, dealing with problems as they come up so that you sort of sprint into the end of a project and get it finished. Now, all the agile experts out there, and I had a few comment on my LinkedIn. I, I was talking about this on my LinkedIn profile and a few of them commented, they were asking me questions that were very, you know, specific to agile. And I realized, oh gosh, I, I actually don't really know what I'm doing. However, I didn't let it stop me. And I just kind of made up my own version of it. And it worked unbelievably. I was very surprised, blown away, in fact, about the benefits and the results from doing this concept. But taking a step back, what I came up with the idea to do it on a whim. Again, I was sitting here one day going, feeling overwhelmed, actually. I'm about to have a baby. My second baby is due in four weeks time from now. So I have this, you know, nesting thing. Other women clean the house. I started cleaning the business. <laughs> so I had been sort of on a cleaning project of the business and I was finding myself getting overwhelmed and frustrated. My team were overwhelmed and everything seemed a bit too chaotic, even though everyone was trying their best to move initiatives and projects forward that we'd been working on. Honestly, some of these things have been going on for months. My whole team were feeling under pressure. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a sprint it just on a whim. And I put it on LinkedIn. I sort of put it out to the world that I was going to do this thing, got the team together, didn't know how they were going to react because I thought, are they going to think, oh my God, we're going to be under so much pressure. And I did it across multi-department company-wide. So I, 
you know, like talking about taking on a huge project, but it was across everything from marketing and sales, HR, onboarding, data security, which was the one I took on myself, uh, training. We've revamped our entire training platform. There was a lot of departments involved in it. And we isolated a two-week time frame. I had two goals, really. The first goal was to figure out business as usual kind of has to go on. That's the problem. But I wanted to see how effective my leadership team could delegate and were delegating down their own channels to their own teams to free themselves up to do the big work. So that was sort of test number one, like whether we could be delegating more and being more efficient with the to-do lists of every department. And then, of course, the second big goal was to create a sort of a finish line and to get some of these projects that have been meandering forever actually to completion and for me to feel like we had done something or achieved something. That was kind of the, the goal. I did set some rules of the game as well. I made it a game. So I said to them, this is going to be a fun experience. We have to have some rules and we've just got to be open-minded. And the rules were that you weren't allowed to work longer hours. Otherwise, the objective of delegating down the channels to other team members was going to fail. So there was no like working till midnight and all that sort of thing. Now, some of us ended up doing it anyway, but you know, it was okay. We had a daily huddle every day and everybody only had three minutes and everyone had this, had to follow the same structure of like, you know, what have I done? What's next step for me? And where are the roadblocks? And that's kind of an agile. I know that is an agile concept of the sprint that you do this. And then the other, the third sort of rule was that everyone must know and take an interest in each other's big rock project. We called it the big rock project. So each one of us picked a big rock that we were working on and everyone else had to be interested and kind of listen to what other people were doing. So I might pause there because I've sort of given you a whole chunk of stuff that I'm sure you can dissect into. Have you got any questions about how I set it up? I do. I've got a whole lot of questions. And I like the rules too, especially the not working longer hours, because I see as well that the managers and the leadership team of the business, there's one thing to maintain what you have, and that's just having everything ticking along. You drive a business forward by either refining something through a project or creating something new. And so the more time that leaders in the business can spend on those type of projects that actually innovate or improve something, the more the business will progress. And it's easy just to get caught in the day-to-day and just be maintaining something. And and being overwhelmed. I think, you know, a lot of our leadership teams, we don't realize that they're not, you know, they can feel in chaos because they're stuck in the day-to-day, just like a business owner. It happens the same to your leadership team or the heads of your departments and things like that. So how did each of the different leaders within the business pick their rock? So in the prep, so first of all, I put it out to the world. I put it on LinkedIn and I'm not very big on social media myself. And I just thought I'm going to put this out there. And then I I brought everyone together. Funnily enough, I put it out to the world before I brought my team together, which I don't, I think it was a risk, (laughs) but (laughs) we should have told them first. But anyway, I brought, I brought them together and I was kind of worried going, I wonder, is there going to be a collective groan, you know, of Barb's pushing us really far? So sorry, I had I brought them all together with the concept, and there wasn't there was an excitement with them. I think it was like a wow, this is because I made it like a game, and then I had individual thirty minute, well, fifteen to thirty minute meetings with each person that was going to be leading a project to discuss with them the current projects that are on their list, the, the things they really want to achieve, or the 
big roadblocks in their department. So what are the big things? And I kind of knew what they were. And then we isolated together one big thing that they felt would move the dial and that they would like to see move to completion. And they were excited to be given the space and the, I guess I gave them the permission to focus on one thing, which I hadn't anticipated that, that I needed. They felt like I had given them permission to not focus on the other little projects or the other stuff that was going on and they could really focus for two weeks. So then each person developed their big, big rock project, we called it. And then we all came together the week before the sprint started to present to each other what big rock project we had chosen. And again, we did it as a huddle so that it wasn't a two and a half hour meeting. It was a 30 meeting, 30 minute meeting where everybody had to present the big rock project, the problem they wanted to solve with this project. So it was very quick. It was like, what problem do you aim to solve? Why do you want to solve this problem? And what results do you expect to see from solving this problem in your area for the business? And that really got all of them focused on what is the problem and why do I want to solve it for the business? You know, why is this a problem for us? And that meeting actually, again, eye opener, because the other people in other departments were like, I didn't realize that you were suffering from that problem, or I didn't realize that's what you did. You know, this kind of thing across departments was very, very handy. So people started to, I think there was a, there was a newfound respect for each other when they started to realize the types of expertise and projects the others were working on. And in a virtual environment, I guess you don't get to see that every day. So it's important to come together and realize that everyone is actually doing very good work. Again, there's so many gems in that. And there's a couple of points that I want to talk about that you've mentioned before I ask more questions. The first was giving someone permission to work only on one thing. And that's actually something that Amp, who's our marketing guy, we've, we've been working on together because with one person running a whole marketing department, there's so many things that we could be doing each week. And so we try and have a theme. We know the overall objective for the week, but then try and have a theme for each day. So if we're working on SEO, we're not, we don't have to have our head in SEO every single day of the week. Or if we're working on email, writing emails, then again, we're trying to do that just for that day because there's such a variety of projects and some things aren't going to fit into this week or next week and maybe not even the month. And so we agree up front that it's okay to push those projects out. And I've found that that really helps to free up headspace, to feel okay that you've picked the priority project or couple of projects and it's fine to let everything go. Yeah, that you're not going to come in as the owner and go, what's happening with this? And they're like, oh, well, I wasn't prioritizing that, like this fear thing. And not that your team wouldn't have fear, but I think it's a natural kind of, unless we lay the the foundation and the agreements and the priorities and we discuss it, people can feel very overwhelmed and they try and keep all the balls in the air. Big high achievers will. They'll try and spin all the plates at the same time, you know, because that's the type of people we hire, of course, because you want them to be high achievers, but allowing them to say, well, you know, we want to, we want that particular plate to just spin faster right now. And tell me more about the huddles. So have you done huddles before and, or was there any adjustment for your team getting used to being so concise and kind of getting to the root of the problem or, or what they're trying to achieve? No, my team are good at that because I brought in the huddle concept about two and a half years ago and it was to solve a problem. I was very good. And this, this is great for anyone running virtual teams or well, to be honest, any team. I was finding that we had such strong processes. 
We had Asana, like we, we, you know, our communication channels were very strong and we were still missing things. Mistakes were still happening. So I thought, okay, let's uh, bring everyone together at one point in the day, because we run 24 hours. So it's hard to get everyone at one point. And we bring everyone together where we actually run through, like it's mainly the pipelines that we're, we're doing. So if you imagine in a business like mine, you have pipelines running for like there's virtual assistants, there's people applying for jobs. So there's recruitment. Then there's people coming through the training pipelines and progressing through each stage of our training program. So that's a pipeline. Then moving into HR pipelines of onboarding and, you know, all the necessary requirements of getting an employee up and running and all that sort of thing. And the ops pipelines. And that doesn't even get into the client side of clients, leads coming in marketing sales, and then onboarding clients and matching clients and VAs together. So we have a 30 minute call every day where my entire leadership team is on that call. And we do hope it is 30 minutes and it's like, okay, we start with recruitment. So the recruitment team know we've ascertained what metrics they're going to talk about and how they don't go off track. So we're like, how many people applied? How many people showed up? What is the passing rate? Anything else you're noticing? kind of thing, anything weird going on. And then we move on. So we, it's bang, bang, bang. And it solved the problem of it plugged a lot of holes where process can't just stand up to actually people discussing it together on a call. Interesting. I won't go into meetings too much more, but I think that's another topic. We've been testing all kinds of different things with how we structure meetings, who comes to them, what we talk about, what goes in a report and what we discuss. So let's table that, I think, for potentially another episode. We can do that. Meetings are, yeah, I'm not a big meeting fan. Not a fan at all, but they're they're important, especially with virtual teams to bring people together to have a chance to build relationships. Yeah. So, So we had this structure already in my whole, so I didn't need to teach my team about a huddle. We also recommended to clients. So all our team leaders and everyone, like we were always talking to clients about the power of a 10 minute daily huddle, even if it's just you and one VA, it's like, it's important to do it, you know, to set the stage. So that was pretty easy for me. They understood how to do it. A couple of people did run over time and I had to kind of reel them in and go, no, what problem are you looking to solve? But that's training. That was training for them so that they enjoyed kind of being pulled in to go, yeah, you're right. How do I narrow this down to what I want to say? You know, so that, that was very powerful for us. Then how did it go? So you had the, the huddles happening. Overall, how did it go with the spring? Yeah. So I think that the, the key thing that we did right by accident, again, all of the, we were just winging it as we did it. Like, so I said, look, we'll have a prep week and then we'll have a two week sprint and then we'll have a review week. However, the prep week was to prep for the sprint, but we had actually spent the eight weeks prior to that. We were all in a bit of chaos. There was problems kind of cropping up everywhere. It was very clear what needed to be fixed. So there was prep that actually accidentally happened prior to that first week anyway. And the projects were already kind of there to be done. So it wasn't like we were scrambling in week one to make up what to do and find out where the problems were. We had already done that work for the weeks before. Then we moved into the sprint. And what we did was on the, there was a 30 minute call every single day. And it was straight after the daily huddle that we normally have. So it was like the whole team came on. Each person, look, it wasn't a requirement to have moved it forward every single day. But the big realization, the energy on that call was high. People were excited and there started to be healthy competition where people were like, oh, wow, they're moving that. They're really moving that project forward. We should get onto this. Like we need to get this one. And it was sort of like a, it became a game and they really, really enjoyed it. And as I was moving through every day, I'd say 
And the other thing was I took one on myself. So it pushed me to kind of act like one of the, I wasn't the leader of it. I was one of the people running a project and, you know, how I was presenting and what I was doing was helping to drive the others forward as well. And then periodically through the week, I think giving people the space as well to say where they're stuck. You know, I said, like, is anyone overwhelmed? Everyone had to say whether they were overwhelmed. And then we could kind of learn from each other how we were dealing with that. So it wasn't just the projects moving forward. It was the team dynamic, the sense of achievement across each member of the team, seeing what others are doing. So any feelings of, oh, well, she doesn't actually do anything. So you never hear from her. You know, this kind of the silent kind of stuff that can happen in virtual teams. All of a sudden, everyone was like, wow, she's really punching above her weight there. You know, she's doing lots and realizing what everyone's doing. And I thought it was going to be overwhelming for them all. They all said resoundingly, including myself, that overwhelm was actually eradicated because of the process and the focus. That was the biggest eye opener for me. And connecting the connections of my team just went through the roof. They actually started realizing that there was cross pollination of project as well. They were like, oh, my project is actually kind of molding into yours because you need help in this area. And my project is going to help that part of your project. Right. That's really interesting. I didn't anticipate any of that. I didn't even realize that was going to happen. And it did very much so. It is hard to get that that kind of collaboration happening with virtual teams. I know with managers and their teams that that collaboration, you can still put things in place. And I feel like that works pretty well. Oh, I know at Beanages it does, but then the, the cross department, it's much harder. Unless you have a joint project, it is much harder. So as we're talking, I'm already thinking about the Beanages Sprint series. I'll give you an example. One, one thing that was huge was the customer success team, the girls that do my customer success and support, they developed the one they worked on is a transition process. Now, what we mean by that is let's say we have a situation where someone resigns or something happens or whatever, and we need to transition one VA out, put a new VA in. And our whole sort of value proposition to the market is that we eradicate overwhelm as much as we can for our clients. So it is very overwhelming if you have a great VA and that VA all of a sudden leaves or, you know, goes off to do something else or has a baby or anything, you know, and you have to transition someone in. So we take over that process for all of our clients and we say, look, we'll give you a new person, but we'll handle it as much as we can. But we needed a more robust process and structure for how we do it across teams so that we get the same result for every client and not just kind of ad hoc. So then what we found is the girls worked on that. They did a fantastic job. It was one of the most impressive kind of project. I and mean, they were all impressive, but this one was nailing it because it helps not just with client success, client retention, which helps on the sales side. It actually helps the team leaders and the entire operations department. It helps on the HR side because you don't have some employee or VA going into a new account unprepared, doesn't know what's going on, is overwhelmed, might resign, you know, might just be like, I can't deal with this. So it helped across so many departments. It solved other smaller rock problems in other departments by the girls doing that big rock project and sharing it so openly with the team. Love it. And what were a couple of other examples of, of rock projects? Training. 
we run huge training programs. One of our value propositions to the market is that we train VAs, you know, so in digital, right? So certain segments of digital marketing implementation we do. But because that that moves quite fast, you know, we have to revamp training programs quite fast. And demands from clients as well. We realized, so the customer success girls were saying, we're getting... So sorry, the, the guys decided to rebuild the training program. They wanted a new platform and they wanted to bring in way more training. And then what transpired through the huddles was the customer success team were saying, actually, clients are asking for that. Actually, clients are commenting on that. And then the HR team said, you know what? When we review all the client evaluations, we do these evaluations for HR and KPIs and salary discussions. The HR team said, oh, wow, if you can solve that problem, one of the big things we see on the evaluations is that we score low in aggregate in this area. So if you're going to bring out a training on that, that would really, I think, ramp up this area. So, you know, again, it was just a lot of our team didn't know what actually happened in training because they're not involved in it. So all of a sudden, our training program has taken a whole new angle. Everyone is contributing and collaborating and helping the trainers to understand what we need more of. Yeah. So if you were to do a sprint again, or well, actually that's a question, are you planning to do another sprint? And is there anything you'd do differently? Yes, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it every quarter, I think. I think what we're going to do is the first part of the quarter, we're going to just sit back and watch. I've said to everyone, I want you to just take a break after each sprint. Now, we do review after the sprint, which I'll talk about in a second, but then you've got to spend the first six weeks of every quarter just watching. Watch the holes, watch the complaints, watch the mistakes, watch, you know, watch the kind of let the overwhelm build, right? And then just observe, write things down, be observant. Next few weeks, maybe six weeks of the sprint will, or six weeks of the quarter will do that. Then we start to move into planning the project. So then you're going to start going, this thing here that I've seen over the last six weeks is really a problem. I'm going to focus on this one. And you start to think about what would that look like? So what problem am I, would I like to solve? What would it take to solve it? All that sort of thing. And then you pick your big rock for, the, for this quarter. And in the final two weeks of the quarter or the final three weeks, let's say, we do the sprint. Now we do have to plan more effectively because you do need to shut down some of your business as usual tasks because you can't have everyone under the pump. So you've got to have moments of like, we probably need to cut recruiting and training for a few weeks during the sprint so that we can take the pressure off. Cause that's on, that's across the board, sales, onboarding, HR, et cetera, and plan a bit more effectively for it, I think. But we're going to try that. Yeah. Cause everyone enjoyed it. They felt energized. That was what the feedback was. Well, hopefully we can record another episode down the track where we can share how we're both going with the sprint and it'll be number two for you. Yeah. So you're going to do one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the idea. So, I mean, we do working in public and we do try and work really quickly. So try and stay focused on something and have short timelines. I haven't done that with a whole group of people or the, the leadership team. Our team would really enjoy it too. So, um, yeah. What's this space? The thing I would add to it, I think it would be important to do some sort of celebration at the end because mm. projects they didn't all finish at the end of the two weeks. Some of them are still going, but they're, they moved very, they're almost finished. Like they're kind of, but I think we probably should have had like a celebration. Well, we're virtual, so it's hard to do a celebration dinner, but we do have people in certain locations. Maybe we should do some sort of celebration to celebrate the end of the sprint or the, you know, the achievements of the sprint. 
Or I think another thing I'd like to do is maybe share it with the rest of our, the whole company so that they know what we're working on. So there's like town halls that we'll build off the back of it to say, here's the things we did and, and tie it into what the employees actually asked for. So I'm very transparent with all the people that we have in the business. I actually ask them, like, what is it you want? And then we go, okay, we can't really do that one, but we can do this one. And then we tell them like all the time what we're working on that they've asked for. So we can tie those into the sprints as well. Yeah. So before we wrap up, is there anything else sprint related or any other lessons that you wanted to share? I think the biggest one for me was that whole concept of not allowing your lack of knowledge of this thing to get in the way. I sort of thought, yeah, maybe I should learn more about sprints and how to do them properly. But what I've discovered through doing the one we did was I don't know if we did it right. I really don't know. But all I know is the results that we got and it served the purpose we needed. So do I really need to look at Agile more closely? I don't really have time at the moment. So no, I'm not going to let that get in my way. I just, we got the results we wanted from it. And I think we'll, we learned as a team and it was very exciting. Love it. It's, it's a great example of just going ahead and doing something, as you said, rather than letting something like not having enough knowledge about Agile getting in the way. Or me trying to spend a month studying like <laughs> Agile and overwhelming myself even more and then not actually doing it. And look, I am a big fan of, I'm a bit like that. I'm just like, let's just do it. Screw it. Let's do it. You know, and just make it up as you go along kind of thing, you know, and it has worked very well for me over the years doing it that way. It wouldn't work for everyone. And you have to kind of accept that you might be sort of swimming a bit going, okay, well, let's see, see if this works, you know? That's actually my philosophy to business. And I had to learn that because as an accountant, all of my training is about not sharing reports with a client until you're sure they're 100%. And there's a lot of, it's very conservative. And I had to unlearn all of that. And then going into business, realize, no, it's all about a lot of success in business, I think is to do with speed of execution. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think I had, I have a natural tendency to that. It is one of my kind of personality traits. And also like I spent 10 years working on a trading floor, an equity trading floor where you never really know what's going on. But if you don't make decisions and do something like the whole name of that game is just get in the game and start playing. You don't have time to read 400 analyst reports to figure out what trades you should make when the markets are open. So for me, I have that natural tendency to be like, yeah, let's just do it and we'll figure it out as we go. So I think that's really benefited me. And I think some people will be like you and will have that natural tendency. And some might be like me that maybe didn't have that naturally, but I just had to learn it and force myself to do it. And so I think whoever you are listening, the lesson from that is just to make yourself uncomfortable and try it. And I mean, what have you got to lose? You'll, you'll learn from your first iteration and then you can, or your first sprint or whatever it is, and then you'll, you'll learn from it and improve next time. Yeah, I think the thing is, it's not really, it's not like you're going to fail. Like I was thinking, could you fail at it? Not really. I mean, what's failure? Like, you know, maybe it just bombs out or people fight or something. I don't know. But that would be learning anyway. Like you'd learn a lot about your team from it. So there's no failure in this. There's just discovery. I think that's, that's definitely what I, what I found from it. And like I said, I was just so blown away by all the little things I didn't even realize the results that we were going to get from it. And I got way more than what I ever thought in different areas, actually, in different ways. Well, this has been so much fun. I've loved the first episode in this series and I'm looking forward to recording the next one with you. 
Yes, me too. And, you know, sharing this with all with both of our podcast listeners is a great idea. So for all my listeners as well, just uh, we're going to be doing lots of these, Meryl and I, just discussing. Again, we have virtual companies, both you and I run big virtual teams. So this isn't just about virtual teams, but I think in a virtual world, the stuff that you and I are doing is going to help those that are running virtual teams a lot, specifically. Thanks for listening to the Bean Ninjas podcast. Here are three ways to grow your freedom business faster. Number one, download our free Zero Small Business Toolkit. Go to beanninjas.com forward slash podcast gift and use our cash flow forecasting template as well as the other resources available. Number two, subscribe to this podcast. Don't miss another episode as we'll be bringing you more inspiring guests, small business finance and zero tips, and also an inside look at how we are growing Bean Ninjas into a global brand. Finally, they say the best way to retain what you learn is to share or teach what you've learned with someone else. So leave a review on iTunes with your key takeaway from this episode. Alternatively, you could also post and share this podcast on social media. Be sure to tag us at Bean Ninjas or use hashtag Bean Ninjas on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This will help us to grow our community and help even more small business owners to create freedom through stress-free finances. So once again, download, subscribe, and share. That link again, beanninjas.com forward slash podcast gift. Catch you on the next episode.